Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning, that's us. Dirt Radio, sponsored by Friends of the Earth, and you can check them out at fo.org.au. I'm John Langer. How many times have you heard that Melbourne is the world's most livable city? But apart from the cultural festivals that endlessly get rolled out week after week, the so-called signature sporting fixtures, this month's Melbourne Cup, for example, how livable is Melbourne really? Well, one of those fixtures that makes Melbourne what it is, is something that doesn't really get much of a look in. In all the public relations, big noting, and I'm talking about the Arrow River, Willap Jin Birarong Murong is the Aboriginal name. Andrew Kelly is the Yarra River keeper, and he liked to see the Yarra woven into the fabric of reasons used to claim Melbourne as a great livable city. Welcome to Dirt Radio, Andrew, and thanks for coming to the studio. Good morning, John. Now, you've been on the show before, but just a reminder, what does the Riera River Keeper actually do? We're uh, the independent voice for the river. We speak on behalf of the river, we advocate for the river, and we educate about the river. Now, the end of September, something very important happened in Victoria and in the Victorian Parliament. The Yarra River Protection Bill was passed. Tell us about this bill and why it's so important. Uh, This bill has many reasons for being important. I can't actually go into this. So many I can't cover them today. So I'll just hit the highlights. Uh, One of the highlights is, uh, and it is one of the first bills, or it is the first bill in Australia to be written any part of it in a language other than English. So this is written in not only English but Wurundjeri, the title of the bill, and also the uh, preamble of the bill is written in Wurundjeri. So that's pretty exciting. And part of the bill actually is to actively uh, acknowledge the role of traditional owners in an urban space uh, as managers of the waterway. So that's a big step forward and a fabulous thing that came out of the process uh, of drawing the bill together where the Wurundjeri emphasised how important the river was to them. Mm. Uh, So that's a big part of it. It's also establishing a 50-year vision for the river. So we really need, in terms of ecological spaces and places, we need to think in the long term. So this is a beginning of long-term thinking about uh, urban spaces, urban places, green urban places. So that's exciting. It... uh, allows for continuous uh, readjustment of the management of the river over those 50 years. And importantly, it's transparent. So the minute there's a Birrarung Council is established and the Birrarung Council reports to the minister and the minister is obliged to report to Parliament. So that report is then tabled and is there for the public to mm. look at. And if people aren't meeting the obligations within it, as the bill puts obligation or will put in obligations on government agencies and government departments to comply with the Yarra Strategy Plan, uh, if they're not doing that, then they will that will be in the public each year for people to see. 
So there, there will be a report each year that, that will be available. Yes. And how, how did this all come about? This is big stuff. A 50-year 50 plan. Who's, who's involved in putting together this 50-year plan? Uh, well, ever since it's been passed, John, I sometimes have to pinch myself to believe that it actually happened. So <laughs> it seems to be one of those extraordinary examples. I mean, look, Yarra is so important to Melbourne. Sometimes we have a bit of a uh, embarrassment about it, but nonetheless, yes. it's very much at the heart of this city. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a hu- real wave of support for it across large sections of the community, including in the department, in the bureaucracy, in the public service. I think there was a real uh, mm-hmm. sense that it is, time had come. It started off, though, with us uh, lobbying both sides of uh, Parliament back before the last election in November 2014, and just on the eve of the election, uh, the ALP put into their environment policy a uh, sentence talk saying that they were committed to a Yarra River Protection Act and what they then called the Yarra Trust, which will actually become the Birrarung Council. So. Right, right. And um, let's move away from the river a little bit. Well, not exactly away from the river, but in terms of your own work. And uh, talking about big picture, but <clears throat> you've, been on, you've been on the show before. And uh, what I wanted to know about is in the last few months, how are things going? And uh, what have you been challenged with? And um, also, what's been the most rewarding things for you in the last little while? Challenges um, to start with. Uh, challenges? Um We've been – Melbourne Water was charged as the lead agency with doing the Yarra River uh, strategy plan or the Yarra River Strategic Plan, and we've the, the, we've been very appreciative of the fact that they've involved us in the process and we've worked closely with them on that, which has been exciting. So that's been uh, both a challenge and a, a benefit, a plus. Uh, there's also been Melbourne Waters refreshing their healthy waterway strategy. So there's a couple of things happening there about the Yarra that are really important. So they're consulting with the community about uh, how the healthy waterway strategy should be written, you know, what it should include. And this is happening not only in the Yarra catchment but across all of Melbourne Water's responsibilities. So they've done it uh, at Werribee, Maribyrnong, uh, mm, and then mm. uh, to the east as well, but in Dandenong Creek. But for us, of course, it's the Yarra catchment that we're interested in, and that consultation's going on now. And in terms of the Yarra uh, strategic plan, the Melbourne Water is calling together a, a Yarra assembly that will meet uh, early in December to finalise the details of the community consultation section of the consultation about the uh, Yarra strategic plan. So they, they've been some of the things that have, have both been challenges and pluses. Mm-hmm. I guess one thing I'd love to say is we'd love to have more members. You can join up online at our website, yarrariver.org.au, but we really appreciate having members. That's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. And we'd love mm-hmm. any members who are out there who haven't renewed to renew because that's another challenge we face, not getting members to renew. But I'm sure you're right. very familiar with these sorts Absolutely. of issues. <laughs> 3CR, um, Friends of the Earth, yes, of uh, course. I, look, one of the things I think that maybe is, is, is the case, and maybe I'm misrepresenting you, but I don't think people, a lot of people actually know about the Yarra River Keeper and, and the River, Yarra River Association as you're talking about it. Uh, possibly not. We do do quite a good job of getting out in the media, which is part of our job. So oh, okay. I do get out there quite a bit, but it does take time to build that role. Mm-hmm. I must say, I always get a very positive response from people when I explain. They like the, the title, 
the name. Sure. Uh, but they also kind of get that sense of guardianship, of stewardship that it implies, and they're really appreciative of the work that we do. Okay. Well, we'll we will put the details on our website, on the fa- on certainly on our Facebook page, the Dirt Radio Facebook page. And, um, yeah, people can check out check that out from there. What I was going to ask you about was I just read something in the paper, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, talking about the amount of toxic material in various water catchments around Melbourne. Does that include the Yarra, or has the Yarra been revived or, in a sense, cleaned up a little bit more? Well, in some ways, the water quality has been improving for the past 50 years in terms of E. coli and sewage, thanks to the work that Melbourne Water has been doing. But, of course, Melbourne is now undergoing its third great wave of population growth, and that's putting enormous pressure on our waterways. And one of the um, issues with water quality now is cars. So uh, I actually got my car serviced yesterday, and I was talking to uh, Drew, who was servicing it, and he pointed out that all the black – I'm not very good at washing my car, which is probably mm. a good thing for the river mm. – but all the black around the rims of my tyres, that's brake dust. So brake dust falls on our roads, but you can actually see it on your car if you don't wash it too often or if you're seeing somebody else's car that, like mine, isn't washed very often. You can see all the black around the yeah, yeah. the tyre rims, mm. and mm. that is brake dust, and that's uh, full of all sorts of toxicants. So that lands on the road and then gets washed into our wetlands and washed into our waterways and into the Yarra River ultimately. Same with tyres. Tyres are now softer, Drew told me. So um, your tyres used to squeal when you went round a corner. Sure. Remember that? Yes, yes. That's because the rubber was harder and now they've made the rubber, rubber softer and you get better traction on the road but they also wear out quicker. So it, it, all that tyre material. material is left on the road to be washed in to the waterways in the first few centimetres of rain. Oh, well, look, this is all, yeah, all news to me, actually. It's very interesting, and I guess, yeah, I, there are there needs to be some solutions, presumably, but where, where do you find them, I suppose, you can well, think? One of the challenges that we put in wetlands or we use wetlands as a way of sopping up some of those toxicants, uh, but that then does mean the wetlands end up being toxic and we have to clean them out periodically and take them away. But that is part of their function in terms of uh, sort of why they're there or what they actually do mm, for us mm. in terms of the waterways. They're also habitat. They look good. We like being near them. Uh, but sometimes we're not able to swim in them because of this other function they have. Something else that uh, occurs to me as we're talking it. The the Yarra River cuts across a whole bunch of councils all through Melbourne. How are you finding councils responding to this bigger, grander plan, the future rolling out for 50 years, maybe even 10 years? How do they respond? Well, the response I've heard so far has been really positive. So for the councils, the Yarra is often a knotty problem, and this strategy plan solves that knotty problem. So if you're standing in Yarra, city of Yarra, uh, what you're looking at is often Stonington or Burundara. If you're in Stonington or Burundara, you're often looking across the river at um, the other council. So your view is what they're doing. So in some senses, 
both sides are equally invested, but the side that's doing the looking only controls the side they're looking from. Mm. So this is a real positive, I think, from council's point of view. And I think then I think that's how they see it. The Yarra Strategic Plan, you know, all the councils we consulted as part of that, so they'll be able to put their views uh, then. But the the feedback I've had so far in general throughout the past three years about this whole process has been incredibly positive. Mm. And uh, another issue that uh, I think we have talked about in the past is the development that it, that's occurring along the Yarra. Has, has that been something that's been sorted out or is still going on? Is, you see it as an ongoing problem? Well, um, there's been a couple of initiatives going on about the Yarra, and in February uh, this year, the government uh, made a group planning amendment for the councils between um, Richmond and uh, Warrandyte, and that established mandatory height limits and mandatory setbacks for development. So it has pushed development away from the river mm. and kept it a bit lower. So that's a real plus. Mm. But nonetheless, there will always be developed along the river and you see all sorts of green places, former golf courses that are being gobbled up and turned into yeah. development. Yeah. So that means we have less green space in our city. So there's always swings mm. and roundabouts. Mm. It's mm. never going to be perfect. Now, I, there's a special forum coming up in the beginning of December. Do you, you know about this forum uh, that, that's being held? It's the um, Environment Justice Australia is holding yes. this forum. Tell it. Do you, I do. Yes, yes. Do you uh, know the details about that? I don't have the date in front of me, uh, uh, John. You might have it. Okay. Um, I think it's December the 4th, but I will have to check that. I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah. Go ahead. Well, EJA were our partners. We had the Yarra River Protection Act project uh, way back in... Um, we started in 2015, and they worked with us in terms of working with government about the Yarra River Protection Act. So the Yarra River Protection Act uh, involves a whole lot of thinking from us and a whole lot of thinking from Environmental Justice Australia, particularly Bruce Lindsay, who did a lot of hard work thinking about how to come up with an act that would really deliver uh, on a future promise for the river. Mm. So it's really interesting to go and hear Bruce talk. Um, I think they're running a couple of events, so I'm not absolutely sure which one, the fourth, who they've got talking on the it's, fourth. I think it's the mayor of Yarra. Amanda, Amanda Stone, I Amanda think it Stone. is. Yes, um, and, and the person you've just mentioned. Yeah, so Amanda's got a very good long-term grasp of the lower Yarra and how it all fits together. Uh, so I think it'd be a terrific event to go along and listen. I'll be going. Great. Um, and, yeah, you can hear Bruce talk about uh, some of the thinking he put into... Uh, administrative law and how to make it better. Well, we'll again, we'll put the details on our Facebook page and uh, we want to thank you very much for coming in and spending the time with us in the studio. So thanks so much. Thank you, John. Very much appreciated. Thank you. That's Andrew Kelly and he was our special guest today in Dirt Radio and uh, he's the Yarra River Keeper. Keep up the good work, Andrew, and uh, we'll get the details of that forum on our Facebook page. You are invited to Sampari Exhibition, celebrating West Papuan culture. Sampari, a series of events supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self-determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday, 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT 
West Papua website. Sampari, brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter. The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defense fund. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash solidarity defense fund. A 3CR supporter. This week on Dirt Radio, we're talking about Melbourne's livability as a city, what helps and what doesn't. Well, let me put a a view in here. I think what helps Melbourne's Melbourne as a livable city is its green spaces, its accessible parks and gardens. But I have to say, not everyone has ready access to these, especially if you live in certain parts of Melbourne's less affluent suburbs. Leila Farahani works at the Center of Urban Research at RMIT University, and she thinks that even some of Melbourne's least green spaces have potential. Good morning, Leila. Good morning, John. Now, you've got your eye on those unloved places like concrete drains. And um, you say that, and I quote you, they represent a largely untapped opportunity to improve livability and community well-being. How is this possible? Well, um, as you mentioned, greener spaces are important indicators of quality of life. And... um, we know that Melbourne's population will approximately double by 2030, as projections say. And this figure suggests that we need to plan our cities and their green infrastructure um, in order to have more livable, healthy living environments. Uh, well, informal green spaces provide that opportunity to increase livability if they are in line with residents' values and what residents need in cities. Some of them might not provide the opportunity in in its in their current format, but they have that potential to be turned into more valued greener spaces if interventions um, work on them in terms of residents' perceptions and values and what they need in neighbourhoods. And what do you mean by uh, a um, informal green spaces? It's it's something that's not really, it's not really planned. It's sort of like there, but uh, it's available, but but hasn't really been sort of uh, over exactly. over, over manicured. Exactly. Yes, um, the green infrastructure of our cities include both formal green spaces, which are like parks that we see a lot in cities. And also informal green spaces, which are not planned, um, and uh, they're sort of like leftover spaces, we call mm, them, mm, um, mm. like street verges or railway verges, river banks sometimes, mm. or even vacant lots that we see a lot in our neighborhoods. 
Mm, mm, very interesting, and like uh, concrete, uh, like concrete drains. And uh, you've been, yes. you, sorry, you've been doing some uh, a little bit of research up the Upper Stony Creek Water Channel. And um, look, I, I've never been there myself, but tell us mm-hmm. what it, what it looks like and what it feels like to to be there. Well, um, Upper Stony Creek is a concrete drainage tunnel. Uh, in Melbourne West, in Sunshine North, to be more accurate, which is currently separated from the residential area by fence. And um, an informal green space is also located uh, towards the southern part of the creek, which is around uh, 40,000 square meter in size. Uh, Greenbank City Council is leading a greening intervention which um, aims to transform the creek drainage channel and the, adjust, uh, the adjacent site into an accessible urban wetland and park. Mm. Uh, our study explored residents' uh, uses of the creek uh, and the informal green space before the start of this uh, intervention, and I must say that this study was part of a larger project by cleaner and urban landscape hub researchers from RMIT and Melbourne University, which aimed to compare baseline and short-term outcome of this screening intervention, both in terms of its social and health impacts mm. on residents, but also its impact on biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And you, what you were looking at was particularly the the residents' use uh, of the space and also their perceptions of the space. Why were you particularly interested in, in that? Well, uh, we were... Uh, what we were interested in was to compare how they use and value the space in its current format and then compare it later after the in, uh, to what happens after the intervention to see how successful the intervention will be and how um, what is the best way possible to conduct this intervention. So... Um, that's why we went there and we, uh, my colleagues and I interviewed 20 residents living in the uh, close proximity of the creek. We tried to uh, talk to them in terms of how they use their space, what values they see in their space in the current format, and what is their uh, perceptions and preferences. Um, what we found in the interviews was that the overall impression of residents from the site were negative. Mm-hmm. And um majority of um, participants commented on the undesirable or less desirable features of the site, such as lack of regular maintenance or lack of access, feeling unsafe in the site, and litter constantly being dumped in the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but the, you, I guess the my sense of what from what I've read about your work is that people didn't necessarily want it to be completely formalized, that they did enjoy the informality of it. Well, yes. Actually, uh, previous studies have shown that um, lack of restrictions in uh, such areas provide opportunities for activities that might not be fully acceptable in more formalized urban spaces. For instance, in some spaces, residents grow food in um, vacant lots that they find near their houses. 
And um, therefore, we think that it's important to understand how residents use informal green spaces before interventions happen to transform uh, them mm. into more formalized spaces. Mm-hmm. Look, it's very, that's extremely interesting, and I think very important message that you're you're basically telling. I guess I guess really addressing town pl- planners, uh, urban planners of various kinds. Um, Leila, we've we're just about running out of time, so um, unfortunately, I've got a whole bunch of other questions I would like to ask you. But um, the show is coming just about to an end, so I've got to thank you very much for being on Dirt Radio today. Thank you for having me. It's pleasure. I've been talking there with Leila Farahani. She's from RMIT University, and she's a specialist in urban planning and design of green spaces. We are Dirt Radio, and as I've just said, we're probably just about out of time. But you know what? There's something I have to announce, and this is a special, well, it's a a special occasion, the ACE Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth is teaming up with award-winning organic winemakers Temple Brewer and cider makers Hazeldean Forest Farm to bring you some excellent wines and beautifully crafted cider at special prices. Profits will go to the ACE campaign to stop a nuclear waste dump in South Australia and towards a court action to protect the Yeliri Excuse my pronunciation. Yeliri, Western Australia, in Western Australia, <clears throat> from a uranium mine. And if you want more details, the croaky voice here tells you you should go to Melbourne melbournefo.org.au backslash wine and cider fundraiser, and you can find the details there. And the fundraiser ends this Friday. Croaky Voice here says Dirt Radio is coming to an end for another week, and we'll be back next Tuesday, 9.30. We're affiliated with Friends of the Earth, and you can go to the website fo.org.au. Speak to you then.